Welcome to episode three of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Ian Harditz, and today we'll be talking about all things at the wide receiver position with one of the sharpest minds in the industry. Of course, talking about the creator of Reception Perception, football writer and analyst for Yahoo Sports, number 10 in your programs, but number one in your hearts, Matt Harmon. What's going on, dude? Ian, thanks so much for uh, bringing me on here, kind of the rebirth, and congratulations on the rebirth here of the PFF podcast, taking taking the wheel. I love it, man, and congrats on the new gig too. Uh, you know, you got a just you're one of the better follows on Twitter because you put out a ton of information with also some good, like actual good personality behind it, <laughs> which we need out there in in the fantasy world. And, and uh, now you've got all the PFF databases at your disposal. I'm very jealous. So thank you for having me today, man. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Yes, you know, you got the strong meme gift game as well. We can have a little fun talking about fantasy football sometimes. Doesn't need to always be so serious. But yes, last two pods, we have broken down quarterbacks and running backs today, all things wide receivers. And if you haven't seen Matt on Twitter, I mean, his reception perception, just the entire process is amazing. But just the charts that show not only the efficiency that wide receivers are getting per route, but also the usage with it. I mean, it's just incredibly useful in a world where, you know, day to day, I'm reminding people that Curtis Samuel is actually good and a victim of his team's QB play and not the other way around. So expect, you know, a lot of references with that. And make sure you check out Matt on Twitter to get more with that. So let's get started with the 2019 king of the wide receiver position, Michael Thomas. Matt, I'm sure you've seen the crap Michael Thomas gets on the old Twitter sphere. He's only run slants. He's this low ADOT guy. You now, doesn't matter. He just broke Marvin Harrison's reception record. Man, let me hear. What does reception perception have to say about Michael Thomas's overall route tree? And do you see him again being the king of the wide receiver position in 2020? You know, it is funny to watch uh, people get so upset about Michael Thomas's usage. And let's just start on that one right there. Because, I mean, he does have a pretty high rate of slant routes in reception perception. 31% of his sampled routes last year were a slant, but that's not totally dissimilar to guys like DeAndre Hopkins, who's up at 28%. A.J. Green, the last season that we recorded him, obviously 2018, 28%. Julio Jones, another like Falcons fans and, and Saints fans, always going at it about these two guys. In 2018, Julio Jones was up at 31%. So it's pretty – I mean, smart coaches want to get the ball in the hands of their best players in the most efficient way possible. And the slant route has one of the highest success rates, you know, when, when you're looking at reception perception in terms of these guys getting open. So yeah, he runs a lot of slants because it's a really efficient route to run. It's, and that's why he produces so much. And actually in reception perception, uh, Michael Thomas broke a record in 2018 for the longest time since I've been doing reception perception, uh, 2014 season is the first season that I've, I've started recording data in full for these guys. And Odell Beckham held the success rate versus man coverage record at 80%. Well, Michael Thomas broke in 2018, the year before his uh, big 2019 statistical season at 82.2%, the highest, we, still the highest that reception perceptions ever recorded. So, I mean, to me, I, he's a total baller. I think that he – yeah, he does get a lot of crap because of the, the system that he plays in, obviously playing with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, he goes out and produces with Teddy Bridgewater this past year too. So I think he is a true elite alpha number one receiver. I, I don't think that, that should be a hot take. For fantasy this year, though, I'm going to put Adams ahead of him at wide receiver one because, I mean, just obviously the odds that a player, you know, just one-to-one goes at, as the top scoring player to position, whether it's running back, wide receiver, whatever – the odds are pretty low, so it's, I, I don't think it should be crazy to put a, a different guy up there. And I think the confluence of events that led to Thomas's record-breaking season 
Could be pretty similar for Devontae Adams this year, too, when you look at just there's not a lot there going on. Uh, the, the quarterback position, I think, in Green Bay is still strong, even if Breeze is the more you know statistically accurate passer at this point of their respective careers. So I'm ranking Adams number one for fantasy this year, but I don't. that's no shot at Thomas, who I don't think has really any holes in his game. Yeah, and just yeah, it, it would be reasonable to expect just a slight target uh, deduction from Thomas after they added Emmanuel Sanders and Devontae Adams. If his target total starts with two, it really wouldn't be the craziest thing we've seen. But I love the point you made about the Saints system because, you know, we give Teddy Bridgewater all this crap too for just, you know, Teddy Checkdown. I've called him it. You've called him it, whatever. I don't know if you've actually called him it, but you know what I'm saying. And <laughs> Everyone's what, done it, man. <laughs> this is what the Saints have been doing for the entire time Drew Brees has been there. I mean, last year it was Jimmy G, Brees, and Teddy Checkdown at the bottom of the league in there you know average target depth so you know it's not that Michael Thomas can't do deep passes they just don't ask to him why would they when they're as efficient as he's been PFF's number one player from 2019 yards per route run you know I, I have Michael Thomas number one Matt but I, I think I'm just a little, little more scared than you are to you know make that switch so kudos to you man <laughs> sticking to Devontae Adams I do think both guys, and honestly, we can talk about all three guys in this NFC North. I mean, just number one receivers with little competition in their passing. I'm talking about Devontae, Adam Thielen, and Allen Robinson. And, you know, this is more like a philosophical question, but what? how do you deal with the idea where, like, okay, an offense only has one really legit wide receiver. Obviously, defenses are focusing all their attention on that guy. At what point does being the only real, you know, relevant passing target in your offense become an issue, or does it even – not become an issue because we still have defenses covering slot receivers or linebackers half the time. Right. Like that's a huge point there too, especially for guys like Thielen that we've seen move into the slot at different times in their career. And I think we'll probably, even though they drafted Justin Jefferson, who's a traditional slot guy too, I think you'll probably still see a decent amount of Thielen inside this year. So for me, I actually think like for the overall offensive efficiency, I think it's probably, it's problematic. Like I think you want to have, you know, a, a situation where, like, you have Michael Thomas is the only game in town, and I, I think this just makes his season look even better. And there's really nothing else going on there, and he's still producing efficiently, and the offense is still good. Like, I, I think that's a rare case because I think you want to have an alpha like Julio Jones along with Calvin Ridley, a Mike Evans, a Chris Godwin. You want to present the defense with a lot of things to think about. And, and Diggs and Thielen were such a perfect complement for that reason. But yeah. – I think for fantasy purposes, like the boost in targets that's, that's going to come your way for the individual wide receiver, I think is more important than the theoretical extra coverage that they're going to get. And, you know, this is just probably something that I, I, people ask me this all the time. Like, what, do you, what have you learned? Like, what stats do you st start to, you know, value more or less uh, now that you've been doing reception perception for six years? I don't know that there's any one thing like a, a traditional stat that I've become more enthralled with or whatever, but I think I've almost become like more radicalized in my beliefs. Like the more film I watch, maybe that's a bad thing, but I just think that the like overall effect of double coverage is kind of overstated anyways. Like whenever you hear anyone say like this guy was, you know, he's get, he's dealing with triple teams out there. Well, forget it. Like that's not a thing. Like nobody triple teams, anybody in the NFL. Like that's not a serious discussion point because if you did, if you put three guys on one player, you'd just be conceding yards and points. And there are yeah. definitely situations where you'll get two guys on one player, but usually it's just, you know, the defense is definitely paying more attention, but for the most part, Guys are going up against one corner for over, you know, 90, 85% of the routes that they're going to run when you look in reception perception for sure. So I think that the boost in targets for fantasy is more important than you being the only game in town or whatever. It's definitely a problem for the offense, but for the individuals 
uh, projection or whatever, that I think it, it's, it's better for them. Good stuff for sure. And yeah, it's as good as we might be and as hard as we might work to try to start identifying talent, you know, at a high level, ultimately it only matters what the coaches think of their players. Yeah. talent. So chase the opportunity when you can. Now this next guy, I think he is the most impactful wide receiver in the entire league. Maybe not the best, you know, just in terms of everything they're asked to do, but I don't think anyone strikes more fear in defenses and defensive coordinators than Tyreek Hill. And my question for you, Matt, is if we could just say neutral QB play, you know, neutral coaching, neutral everything, take away the Patrick Mahomes factor. Do you think if every person in the league had 150 targets, would, is Tyreek Hill the wide receiver one? I mean, quite possibly just because he is – He's not just a vertical threat, and this is something that, you know, reception perception has been harping on since his rookie season. Like, I get (laughs) – it's funny because, you know, over the years people have obviously come to know reception perception for certain, like, correct predictions. Definitely some incorrect ones too. But, you know, Allen Robinson back in the 2000 – leading into the 2015 season, all in on that, all in on John Brown, Stephon Diggs, Tyler Lockett, these type of guys. But there's occasionally been some, like, more micro – predictions that reception perception has helped me make that have been really positive. And one of those was Tyree kill. Like you remember coming off his rookie year, people were legit comparing him to your guy, Cordero Patterson. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like, kind of getting a CPAT slam in here and I don't mean to do that, but <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> you know, this was like saying he wasn't a guy that could run routes, whatever. Well, you know, you're talking about Cordero Patterson's rookie year reception perception. I, I did like a, a very, basic look at it back then you know it wasn't quite where reception perception is now because it was a 2013 season he's down there at like 49 percent success rate versus man coverage Tyreek is over 70 percent every season of his career he's Jeez. up there with one of the top five, top 35 scoring success rate versus man or press coverage when you look at his most recent season I mean he is a full complete baller he is I think he's the more modern day Steve Smith you know maybe even a faster version of that because he still is aggressive at playing the ball in the air so I don't think that if like if if a situation ever arose where the Chiefs offense was in total chaos you know Travis Kelsey's down uh, Sammy Watkins is down no one else really steps up like Nicole Hardman or whatever I think Hill could handle that amount of volume and it would still be a positive force for the Chiefs offense. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. You add on his rushing just upside. We didn't see it last year because of the collarbone, but before that, 24 rush attempts, 17 rush attempts, 22 rush attempts. The guys just get the ball in his hands, and it's unbelievable. But, yeah, I'm happy you, you know, brought up that competitiveness in there. His deep ball tracking is insane. I mean, that, like, 40-yard touchdown he had, I think it was against, like, the Texans, just going up, going up and getting it, man. It's right. wild, and you wouldn't expect it from someone of his stature, but yeah, man. Hey, you know, I'll take the quarter of Patterson slander. The guy is a running back, <laughs> so I'm going to have to ask Graham Barfield to do some yards, yards created stuff with quarter of. Oh, we'll no, see yeah. if he grades out better there. All right, moving on, another top five wide receiver in anyone's book, DeAndre Hopkins. We, you know, no one's going to debate he's top five wide receiver, but I mean, I did an article the last couple of days. I was looking at every wide receiver trade over the last decade, and these are you know off season trades, so they're not getting the benefit of an off season with the QB. Only Brandon Marshall, and he did it twice because he's freaking awesome. I love Brandon yeah. Marshall. Got traded in the off season and came back and was a fancy wide receiver one. We had Brandon Cooks and Anquan Bolden giving wide receiver two numbers. I mean, OBJ's last year was kind of fluky. We'll talk about that later. So not like anyone that's get traded is just doing awful, but haven't seen the high upside too much, which is where Hawkins being drafted. What are your thoughts on him and this Cardinals offense? And can it be a situation where he's great in real life, but maybe not that top five fancy wide receiver we've come to expect? I definitely think that's within the range of outcomes. I think the rebuttal to that would be 
like what I think not only just guys, cause I've looked at this too, you know, the guys that are trade candidates or even just free agent ads to new teams, you know, mm-hmm. then you're talking about Vincent Jackson, Deshaun Jackson. I think Alshon Jeffrey would fit in that yeah. mold too. Like, there's not been a ton of success there. Like you said, wide receivers changing teams, you generally want to fade that proposition. The only rebuttal to that would be that I think maybe Brandon Marshall is the only guy that even comes close to, to being the type of player that New Hopkins is because you know, this is a guy who's top three in yards, catches, and touchdowns over the last three years. Like you don't need reception perception to tell you that he's an elite player, but let me do it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> like last year, he, I think he's coming off his best season as a pro, which is insane that he gets traded, he's up there at 77% success rate versus man coverage, the best score of his career, 79% against press. That's clearing the 90th percentile in reception perception history for both metrics. He's also uh, one of the select few wide receivers to ever go full green, which is a thing I like to say when they go, like you said, the route, the route tree metrics, the efficiency of getting open at every route is above the NFL average. I mean, he's a full field separator and that's with his contested catch dominance. So I would just say that we don't have a large sample of truly elite number one alphas in the middle of their prime getting traded to, or, or even moving in free agency. I think the only one that we would say was that player it happened twice last year, I think, with Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, and obviously for two completely separate yeah. <laughs> two separate reasons. You kind of have a mulligan there, I think. And we'll, like you said, we'll talk about Beckham later and why I, I almost want to consider that season a mulligan. And obviously, we saw not much right. from Antonio <laughs> Brown last year for a lot of reasons. So, I don't think we have a wide sample of guys that are as good as Hopkins changing teams. But I think there's almost no question that it has to be a, it has to be a negative for his fantasy outlook. Number one. We don't know that Murray is going to be Deshaun Watson level good. I'm confident that he's going to be, but that doesn't mean that, like you said, that doesn't mean that it's going to happen just because we believe it is. Uh, I do think he's a great fit with Hawkins. I'm not worried about that QB connection either. And one other note I would just throw in there. I talked to Hopkins back in January. I think I've tweeted this quote out too, but he told me that the reason he's been so good, and this is important for him too, right? He's been so good at, being productive and being a positive force for his offense, no matter who the quarterback is. You know, we're, th- we're talking about guys like TJ Yates, Brock Osweiler, go down the list of just these total vagabond guys. And Hopkins was still productive. He said that's a part of his work ethic. You know, he aims to be this guy's best friend because Watson is the only quarterback that he would have like a full off season with before getting that communication. And so if there's any wide, again, I think Hopkins could just be an exception because if there's any wide receiver that could not just overcome the fact that he's changing teams, but he's also changing teams this off season, you know, where, where guys are not going to be in the building. It's the COVID adjusted off season. And we have to take that into account for every player. And I think it's a big problem for wide receiver quarterback chemistry, but at least we have some sample of what, or of Hopkins being able to adjust to those situations on the fly already, but it's a lot of risk for his fantasy outlook, like you mentioned. I, I, you're, you have to pay the iron price to get him this year where there's a lot of other, not just appealing wide receivers, but running back picks in that same area. Yeah, he's definitely being priced at his ceiling. You know, wouldn't blame anyone for going, you know, RB heavy early on. That's a strategy I've been doing. But you said it, man. These quarterbacks, when we talk about Allen Robinson being like the poster child of just 
brutal QB play, but Hopkins, I mean, Deshaun Watson, amazing. And then Brandon Whedon, Tom Savage, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, my eyes are bleeding. TJ Yates, Fitzpatrick, McCarron, Osweiler, Keenum, Matt Schaub, just brutal, man. So My guy Taylor Heineke got in there. For, I'm, I'm down here in Virginia Beach staying with uh, with my sister right now and, and her fiancé. You know, <laughs> he's a, he was ODU grad. That's where they went to college. I mean, this guy's he's, he's like not even an NFL level quarterback. He's thrown some passes to Hopkins. So, like, give me a break. I mean, this guy has dealt with the worst of the worst. And I think even, again, in this very weird offseason, going to Kyler Murray is still such a huge win. Like, it could if he was going to get traded – it could have been a, a lot, a lot worse. Still very hard to rank this guy out of your top five wide receivers. With all that said, he's just too talented, man. Two more guys that are just too talented to keep out, like too far outside your top ten, Chris Goblin and Mike Evans. Both these guys are awesome. It's Last year it was, you know, get both of them and you're going to be great. This year we started to see the ADP disparity grow a little bit. It's Chris Goblin as the consensus wide receiver one now. A lot of people still have Mike Evans ranked, you know, not too far behind, but Goblin does seem to be getting that love because, you know, we've just seen Tom Brady feed Julian Edelman out of the slot, 150 targets whenever he's there for 16 games, and we're kind of hoping that comes over. I don't know, man. I just feel like all these Tampa Bay guys being priced pretty close to their ceiling at the moment. You know, we just talked about guys, new offenses, you know, with Brady run the show. We know the talent's there, but how are you approaching Goblin and Evans in this kind of bit of unknown situation in 2020? Haven't been drafting him, man. Um, like you said, love both players. Uh, been a huge Godwin fan since his Penn State days, back when I was doing reception perception for college prospects. He was one of the, the shining examples of being able to predict those guys eventually breaking out at the NFL level. You know, great contested catch player in college. Also, when we talk about him maybe playing more outside this year, uh, if they do use more two tight end sets, which I think by and large, he's probably going to run more routes in the slot than, than most receivers that in the range that he's going, it's, it's not a huge deal to me, but you know, back in college, he was an exclusively outside player. I'm pretty sure in his reception perception sample from his last season in college took zero snaps in the slot. And he's also a guy in reception perception. It's over 80% in terms of beating man coverage. I mean, I think he can operate outside. No question. So Godwin's a total baller, been on, here, been, in, been on him for years. I actually think Brady is a better theoretical fit with Mike Evans than people give him credit for. Like, I think Bruce Arians can adjust his system, and Mike Evans can also adjust his typical deep ball nature to being pretty good for Brady because, look, people like to dog on Josh Allen for his accuracy. But you know who's up there in terms of, like, when he's getting pressure – you know, that, those bad accuracy metrics, Brady's right down there. Like, Brady could just be cooked in terms of pushing the ball vertically downfield. And that is going to be good, I think, for a player like Evans, who's also great. He's an accuracy eraser, you know, big target, contested catch guy. I also think he's underrated as a slant, curl, dig, route runner. I mean, these typical intermediate in-breaking routes. He can – Godwin's going to be the better player at those, no question. But I think Evans can also be pretty good with Brady. But I just have, like, a lot of questions, like you said – is this offense being priced at its ceiling? I think so. I think it might actually be being priced outside of its ceiling based on what is left of Tom Brady. And like I said, I'm confident. I just wrote a piece on this for Yahoo. I, I, I'm confident that Bruce Arians can make the transition from being a guy who, you know, had like Carson Palmer, Andrew Luck up there in terms of the top guys in terms of 20 plus yard throws when he was their coach. I don't think we're going to see that or anything like what Jameis Winston was playing last year. I think Bruce Arians can adjust, but can the protect? Can the protection get there? You know, that's my biggest question too. This is a this is an offensive line that's added a rookie. 
great. That needed to happen. But again, I'm kind of worried about all rookies making an impact this offseason because of just the way, the truncated nature of it, the way it's going to be so weird. Who even knows if we're going to be in training camps in a couple of weeks like like they think we are? I, I, I'm, I don't know about you. I'm skeptical of literally everything. So I, that's going to be the biggest thing because if they can't protect Brady, like I said, his accuracy fell off a cliff last year metrics-wise, also threw the ball away a ton when pressure was coming thanks to an offensive line that fell below expectations. So I don't, I love these two players. Don't find myself drafting either of them where they're going right now. Even if you don't want to say Brady is washed, he still had easily his worst season in more than a decade. And yeah, the skill position players, massive upgrade, but there's just a lot of questions. You know, last year, like as one of many people that just got completely burned on OJ Howard, you know, the one thing I took away from that was, okay, offenses where we have three fancy dudes going in the top 10, Better be sure they can do that. And here we are again, you know, with three guys in the top 10. So, you know, Bruce Arians has changed his motto from no risk it, no biscuit to can't go broke, taking a profit. (laughs) I don't like that. That doesn't excite me. So have you ever seen a more all in like win now team than this group too? I mean, they have a 40 plus year old quarterback on, you know, he's in his last year or maybe second to last season. I would say Brady is Bruce Arians came out of a health induced retirement (laughs) He's 67 years old. Gronk came out of his, like, you know, throwing Super Bowl parties, you know, being a cannabis rep. Like, love it, man. He's back for one last ride. It'd be a total upset if that trio is all together for the 2022 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, this is the most win-now team ever, and I agree. They'll they'll probably take, like, they might not be the most efficient offense next year. They might not be pushing – they're definitely not going to be pushing the ball downfield. I don't think they're going to be making a lot of fantasy noise like they were last year. Like, last year was the perfect – confluence of events for fantasy especially because our guy Jameis Winston he'd go out there and throw that first drive interception put them in a hole right away they got to throw the entire game just to dig themselves out of the hole that he already dug them into so last year is a perfect situation for fantasy and it might be honestly like the stone worse this year if Brady is washed and they're also just taking it that really safe approach it's a serious concern, man. And, you know, fun PFF stat here, the three quarterbacks in our database with at least 40 turnover worthy plays in the season, 2019 James, 2013 Carson Palmer, 2012 Andrew Luck, all in their first season with Bruce Arians. I'm, I'm pretty certain Brady's not going to have 40 turnover worthy plays this year. But again, just be careful when all these guys are priced at their ceilings. All right. Now for the main event. We talked about this earlier, but Odell Beckham Jr. I was going last year saying he is the Come at me, everyone. He is the best wide receiver in the game. I had a cool little five-clip highlight thing of Eli missing him on would-be touchdowns. Baker Mayfield. You know, we look back in hindsight at Baker Mayfield. I'm like, oh, Freddie Kitchens is a joke. You know, nothing all this. The second half he put on as a rookie was absolutely amazing after they got rid of Hugh Jackson. Everything seemed like it was just going to be, you know, amazing for Odell Beckham Jr. in 2019. What went wrong, Matt? And can our guy get back on track in 2020? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. I was right there with you last year. Uh, I thought that there was a serious argument for Beckham to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy uh, because it was, I mean, it was just such a godsend for him to yeah. go from the end, the literal end of the Eli Manning run into a theoretically ascending quarterback in the middle of his prime. Like that was what we, all of us like Beckham guys that were also anti-Eli guys, this is what we were like hoping for. It was the thing and it all completely fell apart. He was the first player that I went back to look at reception perception this year because I was like you, so curious what had gone wrong. Cause I mentioned earlier, Beckham held the record 
for reception perception success rate versus man coverage from his rookie season and never finished below the 98th percentile in success rate versus press coverage in any of his other sampled seasons. I mean, this is the elite separator out there. It's for me coming into last year, it was Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, the two elite route runners in the NFL separators at all level dominant in contested situations to getting off the line, everything you would want. Obviously again, Brown out of the picture. We know what's going on there. And then Beckham, too, completely fell apart. Down from up there, like I said, 80% success rate versus man coverage, down to 68.3%. I've never seen any sort of drop like that ever in the history of charting for reception perception. Down from the 99th percentile to the 45th percentile uh, versus press coverage, like I mentioned earlier. Just completely fell off the map. And to me, when I'm sitting and even just sitting there watching him, he does not have the, he has some pretty decent long speed. If he can get open on that slant route, he can still make plays after the catch, but the quick twitch, you know, ability to get off the line, the quickness that you need with your feet, it was just not there for Beckham. I have to sit here watching that and say he was not healthy the entire season. I'm willing to write that off to an injury because it was just clearly not the same player. That was what was reported when I think it, the reports and film line up together. I think you've got the truth there of it, but the problem is, do we ever expect him to get back to that point again? Do we ever expect him to be that player that he was with the Giants in his prime? Because I know people argue that statistically he hasn't been there for years, but that last season, the 2018 season in New York, was an elite season. You, you just yeah. ended up not finishing it because of, again, injuries. Injuries have been a constant theme for this player. Is this the start of a new normal for Beckham where he's still a number one receiver, but he's not a, a legitimately legendary talent like I thought he was early on his career like he was early on his career it's not a, you know it's not a hot take it, he was that guy I have no idea I think that's probably the biggest question in maybe maybe the entire NFL this year I mean p- people don't care about Beckham that much but, but for me that's the thing I want to know this year and I don't have any confidence in saying that I think for me I am going to keep the candle lit one more year and say I think Beckham can get back to that form I think that player can truly exist, but if we have another, you know, average ho-hum year, it's probably time to say, look, the the prime was incredible, but it was unfortunately due to injuries, a very short-lived event. So I'm with you, man. I'm 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 back this year, you know, <laughs> and and I think I'm just waiting and hoping that I actually don't get any evidence that it is just the the start of the decline, and you know that it was just a one-year blip. We're back. We're just not quite screaming from the mountaintops the same way we were this time last year. And yeah, man, it was, you know, I remember later in the season, he played the Broncos. He was twisting up Chris Harris. It was like, okay, maybe we're, we got something going good again. And then Patrick Peterson locks him up, Tredavious White. Yep. Had a bunch of success, just was not the same elite guy. And a lot of that was Baker Mayfield, I think. I mean, you know, oh, with yeah. our some of our PFF stuff, like we can they judge every incompletion. Whose fault was it, quarterback or wide receiver? And OBJ and Mike Evans were the only guys, you know, over 25 in the league. And you look at the other guys, you know, with more than 20, Robbie Anderson, Allen Robinson, John Brown, Devontae Parker, whole lot of inaccurate quarterbacks that we did not expect to be group of Baker Mayfield. They were. So we'll see what happens. I'm optimistic that Kevin Stefanski can kind of, you know, come in more play action for Baker and stuff. But are you worried fantasy, even if OBJ gets back to being who he is? I mean, he's now in an offense that fed their number one wide receiver, Stefan Diggs, only 94 targets last year. Yeah, I think it's problematic because I think that this team wants to establish the run. Uh, I think that they want to run through two tight end sets. And, you know, they have 
not just one of the best pure runners in the league in Nick Chubb. They also have Kareem Hunt. They've got plenty of incentive to run this offense through the backfield in terms of the way NFL coaches look at it. So, but and, and even if Beckham is back, they also still have Jarvis Landry. They added Austin Hooper. David Njoku is still there. He wants to get traded. Good good luck with that. I, I don't know that anybody's going to be screaming uh, to get to get David Njoku on their team. But regardless, I I don't see this offense having. I think this could be a great offense in Cleveland. Like I think the system's perfect for Baker Mayfield. I think they're going to do a lot to get layup throws for Beckham. A lot to get layup throws for Landry which I think we're sorely missing last year under Freddie Kitchens. I yeah. think they forced him. And, and I, hopefully this offensive line has to be – it has to be better, right? To, I mean, yeah. even, even, if, even if I'm saying I'm, I'm kind of out on rookies making a big impact, free agent transitions worry me. Those two tackle spots, I think, even with a rookie and a free agent, are so upgraded there in Conklin yeah. and the guy that they drafted in round one this year. So – I think there, I think this offense has a chance to be great, but for fantasy, I don't think like and coming into any season before this this year, I would have said that Beckham has the wide receiver one overall in his range of outcomes because he was a target hog for even a, a decreasing quarterback, and he was an elite player. Now I'm I'm feeling like I, I think he get get back to being an elite player, but I'm not totally confident, and I'm definitely not confident that the offensive situation is conducive to that ceiling. But again, you're not paying anything close to that to draft him this year, so I am in on him at cost this year. That's true, and I mean, yeah, the Browns' potential post-hype bounce-back year definitely in a realm of possibilities, but just the ceiling of the offense as a whole maybe a little bit lower. But all right, another offense that definitely lower ceiling than we've seen in past years, and they have not fixed their offensive line. This is the Los Angeles Rams, and the big kind of debate going on is Robert Woods versus Cooper Cup. I've been Team Woods pretty much this whole offseason. I don't think it's even really close, and this is basically because after the Rams buy last year, we saw them just go to a much more you know lighter 11 personnel look for so long it was Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, almost every single play, three wide receivers, all good. But, you know, we saw Cup getting fed. Just some weird usage at the end of the year. And Cup's too good to hit the bench. But it seemed like Robert Woods was taking over as the one guy. I mean, when things are relatively equal, I think you just go with Woods. What are your thoughts here on this situation? Yeah, I agree with you a lot, a lot of because of the reasons that you said. You know, I mean, I think Cooper Cup had one of the most unique roles over the course of the 2018-2019 season, over the course of reception perception history. Again, this is six seasons worth of data. No wide receiver ran against zone coverage at a higher rate than Cup did in those last two years. And he faced zone coverage on 69% of his routes last year and was pressed on fewer than 10%. That's just – it's so – so rare to see any wide receiver, even a slot guy, have that kind of role. I mean, there was nobody like fake production. <laughs> I hate to say it, but like fake production than a guy like Cooper Cup. I mean, there were there were plenty of times too, just watching them anecdotally, where you'll see him like chip a blocker and then run off into the flat wide open. No one's around him, you know, pick up 10, 12 yards because he's pretty quick after the catch. So I mean, he, again, super unique role, but you mentioned it. Is that the way they're going to play offense going forward? They drafted a rookie this year who is primarily, you know, a crafty guy, an interior player. Do they see Cooper Cup as not a part of their long-term future? Do, does Sean McVay think like what I do, which is, you know, you can create that production probably without paying a premium for it. I think the Steelers might be having that same question with themselves right now with Juju Smith-Schuster too. Great players that fill their role, but they're not – altering the way that uh, defenses attack the Rams or attack the Steelers. So I think that's something that teams are reckoning with in general. When it comes to this Rams offense, though, I'm, I'm definitely probably more in favor of Woods, but I really don't want to 
take either one of them because I think Woods, not in the same degree that Cooper Cup was, he was also created a lot of plays too. You know, they, they definitely manufactured some production for him too. Got him away from press coverage plenty of times, which is – that makes more sense when you're that flanker receiver than an X guy like Brandon Cooks was. But I just think I have so many questions about where are these guys going to line up this year? What is the overall – health of the offense you know is I think they can still be a very good rushing team but I'm not confident in any of these guys roles so I don't find myself really drafting either of them yeah, there's a chance this just is no longer a top 10 or 12 scoring offense that should probably be the you know projection we're looking here and maybe losing Cook so I know it wasn't anything like what we're used to seeing in 2019 this guy is still I mean Tom Brady Drew Brees and Jared Goff alike they have averaged more yards per attempt in their career with Cooks on the field than without you know intermediate shallow areas of field probably not going to be as open when now we have yep. Josh Reynolds running clear out routes instead of Cooks so I'm a little higher on Woods he does get those rush attempts compared to Cup but you're right man it might just be one of these situations that take a step back and stay away from as a whole so good stuff on Cooks it's interesting because again I mentioned how so many created opportunities for a player like Robert Woods and definitely a player like Cooper Cup. I think if anybody was asked to create their production on their own in the 2018 Rams offense, it was definitely Brandon Cooks. And I think he's, you know, that was the best season of his career. And then obviously injuries come here and take him down in 2019. I think that was kind of undersold as one of the reasons that that passing offense fell apart because it's just so much easier to defend that constricted area of the field when you don't have a difference maker outside dictating coverage just like Cooks does. I don't think Cooks is an elite number one receiver by any means. I don't even think he's a true number one receiver. Like we throw that around, but I think he definitely was a game-changing force in that offense. And we just don't have any player that I think is I can confidently say is going to be that guy for the Rams this year. Tough spots all around. And, yeah, Brandon Cooks, interesting spot with Houston. Uh, quick promo here. Fantasy 40 PFF promo code. You'll get my rankings for the whole season, plus some other cool stuff, 40% off. So, Brandon Cooks right now, my wide receiver, 39. But, hey, you know, those Texans and Giants situations, really consider taking a shot on some of those unproven depth charts because, you know, even if Cooks doesn't get that wide receiver one job, being priced the wide receiver three. So, check that out, Fantasy 40 promo code. All right, Matt, I'm not a huge, like, draft guy i need to get more into it but these rookies come in i like to see him play in the preseason a couple weeks before i form too many strong opinions the one guy last year just jumped out to me from almost week one on i was like whoa we're looking at a future star aj brown did not have the volume in 2019 it didn't matter the dude was just setting all sorts of records or yards after the catch but then you see him later in the year when they really let him be that number one wide receiver and look like he was making plays downfield with the best of them as well this titans offense is probably still going to be run first do you think aj brown's enough of a stud to just keep on good eye man uh because he was <laughs> he's a stud like i think I mean, even people that watched him in college, I think this is the most interesting thing about him as a rookie last year. Even people that did watch him in college, myself included, you know, we thought that he would come into the NFL and be one of these big slot receivers, like a Juju Smith-Schuster or like a Cooper Cup. Uh, but he played anything but that role last year. You know, you saw him throughout his reception perception sample. You see him line up at X receiver and defeat press man coverage routinely, played outside on 88.8% of his sampled snaps and was on the line of scrimmage as that X receiver on 84%. So again, this is that's the profile of a true difference-making number one. And he thrived in that role. We know about what he did statistically, 
But he was also out there above the 85th percentile in success rate versus man coverage. And given his yak ability, everything he does at the catch point, like he definitely, people want to compare him to, I've heard people compare him to Anquan Bolden. And I get that because from like a physicality perspective, he brings that tenacity and he's really good at the catch point like Bolden was. But as a separator, he's already in a class above Anquan. So I think there are no limits on this player's individual ceiling. Like you mentioned it, the offense in Tennessee is going to be run heavy. And I know this, this might just be a stupid take, man. But for me, uh, I think it's just like we can, we can look at like, all right, his share of the Titans yards. And obviously his yards right. per catch is going to regress. And we know that. Like that's a given. But this guy might just be too good to not demand more equity in this offense if the Titans want to get back to the playoffs this year. And I think they have a pretty good window to do it. Yeah, and I, I was on a Vikings uh, podcast earlier today, too, and we kind of talked about how, look, these teams are going to change. The defenses won't be as good, potentially. Like, just because one year a team had a low number one target leader, things could easily change just naturally, even if you have the same coaches back with less ideal game script. I do think the Titans are a team where that could happen. But just, just one fun stat, like 8.9 yards after the catch per reception last year. That's the highest in PFF database history only 2012 percy harvin even came close and wow. as you're saying man aj brown much much more than just a yak guy so all right so we covered some of the main guys i'm going to list some number one wide receivers that are kind of going in the wide receiver 20 to 30 range let me know if any of them really stick out to you as guys you're trying to get on your team keenan allen dj chark Devonte parker terry mclaurin ty holden stefan diggs AJ Green. All have questions, but all the number one guys. Who out of that group do you find yourself loving in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I'm in on Diggs, and I think I'm in on Keenan Allen because I just love these players so much that I'm and I'm kind of like more in on Josh Allen than I want to be, but maybe that's just the longtime Diggs and John Brown truther. This is a safe space for Josh Allen. That's okay. Okay, good. I appreciate that. I've done. I feel like I've talked a lot about Josh Allen on the Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast. I, I just wrote a column about him too, so I'll, people can go find that stuff out there. So I'll save some of that. But like, still in on Diggs, still in on Keenan Allen, despite some similar questions. I just think these guys are too cheap to where, similar to what I said with AJ Brown, like they're just too good to not command high target shares and also improve the situation. Like people can say what they want about Tyrod Taylor, but I think he's a competent enough quarterback to get get Keenan Allen the ball there. And then there's a lot of other questions too in the Chargers offense. We could, we could really go on a, on a, on a limb there, but the guy in that group that I really want uh, another guy with a questionable quarterback, but it's Terry McLaurin, man yeah. talked about Odell Beckham's rookie season. Uh, I think Terry McLaurin had the second best one in reception perception history. He's in the top 35 in terms of success rate versus man coverage all time in just his rookie season at 76% success rate versus man right up there in terms of beating press coverage, 82nd percentile in success rate versus press coverage as a rookie. And much like Beckham, yeah, he's a detailed technician, very explosive athlete, separates at all levels of the route tree. But just like I, like with Odell, he has that ability to track the ball in the air, to make contested catches, despite not being you know the biggest guy in the league, a total baller as that fantastic catch guy. I don't think – like this, this – I'm very confident that if everything comes together – Terry McLaurin could be a superstar type receiver. I think reception perception would show it. He's a guy I'm definitely putting a chip on as a, you know, if you want to call, I, I think he's probably already broken out, but if you want to call him a breakout, you want to call him like the guy that's going to make the leap, whatever. I think McLaurin's going to do it this year. 
I love it, man. And the big issue with McLaurin is he went he was so good with Case Keenum under center. And then when they switched to Haskins, like he was just went back to being average for a little yeah. bit and everyone almost acted like, oh God, he can't produce without Case freaking Keenum. Last three <laughs> games of the year, four catches, 57 yards, one touchdown, five catches, 130 yards, one touchdown, then seven, 86, zero. All with Dwayne Haskins under center, who is a, you know, I'm not going to say and stand too hard for my favorite Ohio State Buckeyes over the years, but Haskins kind of got a raw deal as well. Love that call. And then Diggs, like Smokey Brown, was the PPR wide receiver 20 last year. I think, yeah. you know, I'm, I know I'm talking to one of the biggest John Brown supporters in the industry, but I think we can agree, you know, Diggs is probably going to be featured even more so than Smokey was. So that wide receiver 20 spot, you know, maybe not his floor, but he's being priced very close Later. to that floor right now. Yeah, yeah man. So very manageable. I think the, the great part about what you mentioned with uh, McLaurin there was like, yeah, he balled in the last three games and Haskins wasn't awesome, but he was just passable. You know, that's, I think all we like need. A, you know that's all we need. I think over eight yards per attempt, five to one touchdown interception ratio, I think to end that season or to end the, the last three games there over 60% completion rate. Again, not the most awesome numbers ever, but we just need Dwayne Haskins to be passable. And I think he kind of got a raw deal last year for Washington too. I think people, you know, because they just don't like him or whatever. I don't know. You know there's a lot of we can pick apart there. Um, like, I, I think he kind of got, like, a raw deal that he wasn't immediately ready to be better than Case Keenum as a rookie. People were already willing to write him off. But, again, we just need him to be passable for Terry McLaurin to to break out. I th- Again, similar to Allen Robinson in 2015, like, the talent was there. The, tar- the target share in Washington should definitely be there, just like it was for Robinson back in 2015. If we're asking Dwayne Haskins to just be Blake Bortles good, I think that's not too much to ask. And, yeah, I'm really high on – I don't want to talk about the Bills too much, but like I said, but, like, I am very high on this offense taking a leap. You know, I, I think that Josh Allen, if they just meet him kind of halfway, if they can just manage him a little bit more to take some of those intermediate to short those, because he's pretty accurate uh, on those throws. It's just deep – the deep ball was a mess last year. I think that Diggs and Allen – are and John Brown are all being drafted too low right now. I can't stop taking all three of them this year. Yeah, Josh Allen last season checked down on six of 461 pass attempts. So I think Stefan Diggs will be getting all the deep balls he can handle once again. All right, man, rookie wide receivers. And this is our last question before we do some quick hitters and then we'll get out of here. Henry Ruggs is the guy I keep going back to as wide receiver one. And again, I'm hardly just, you know, this college football tape fiend like you, but I just think in terms of open opportunity, speed, I'm not a fan of Derek Carr, but, you know, from what I've seen from Henry Ruggs, he's done plenty on screens and slants and all that stuff too. Is Henry Ruggs your rookie wide receiver one, or is there someone else that you're really eyeing up in terms of rookies this year? Yeah, it's, it's a good call. Like this Raiders offense, if you squint at it, it has a pretty interesting receiver core. Yeah. You know, if Kyron <laughs> Williams is healthy, that's like he could he, – he's, he, I think he's still an underrated receiver. Hunter Renfro is like the cut-and-paste slot receiver. Uh, <laughs> like you could – I think if Hunter Renfro is in Cooper Cup's role, you know, I could get a hot take going there. Like, I nice. mean, he's – like there's definitely – I think there's some potential for him to be a nice safety outlet. Uh, then you're looking at Brian Edwards, another rookie that I think fills that sort of back-shoulder contested catch player – that Derek Carr really liked when Michael Crabtree was there balling in Oakland. So, and then of course there's Henry Ruggs and, you know, he's a speed guy. Everyone knows that, but you mentioned it. He does a lot of work on screens, slants, crosses over the middle. I compare him to like a Mike Wallace type of player. So we might not be getting all of those deep shots with Derek Carr, as we know, not willing to really push the ball down the field. 
but I think there's going to be a lot more opportunity for rugs than, than people give him credit for. Again, I mentioned earlier, man, I don't find myself drafting any rookies yeah. this year. I think just because of coronavirus, the way that often the offseason has been so truncated, I'm just like willing to, to check in on if there's this, if there is a season in 2020, I'm willing to just kind of check in on these guys in 2021. Like let's start setting expectations there. And there's certainly going to be guys that pop. Like, I think Lamb is in a good spot to produce in the Dallas Cowboys offense. It's just going to be awesome this year. Um, I, I think that Jerry Judy is in a really good spot to be a 1A, 1B type with Cortland Sutton there. But just again, I'm kind of pa- – Michael Pittman's really the only rookie that I think could be the top rookie this year, and I'm nice. willing to make that bet because I think he's a detailed technician, and I think that there's enough uh, opportunity in Indianapolis for him. So if there's any rookie I'm drafting, it's him, but really don't find myself gravitating to any of them this year. Yeah, especially a weird year. And, I mean, going back to 2010, we've had 26 uh, top 24 running backs as rookies, only 13 wide receivers. So it is one of those positions. It's just hard to figure out at the NFL level. And, you know, that's why so many guys come on in year two. All right, man, rapid fire round. I'm going to list a wide receiver. I just want your one to two sentence 2020 outlook. If we go longer, that's fine. But quick hitting thoughts, all right? First one, DJ Moore. Might already be the best contested catch and yards after catch uh, receiver in the league. So he over he overproduces, despite the fact that he's not the best separator in the world, not the best technician. And I don't really have any questions with his outlook this year. I think if the I'm going longer than my two sentences, here, but if, if the pan like the Panthers have a lot of weapons, and we, we're both Samuel guys. I think Robbie Anderson's going to be a difference maker just in terms of that vertical ability. I think the Panthers, if offense, if they exceed expectations more, it's just going to go crazy this year. Panthers were the single worst offense in the league in amount of catchable deep ball targets. Screwed over both Curtis and DJ. All right, Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, I'm in on him too. So much just depends on Ben Roethlisberger's health. Uh, and, it, I mean, Ben is probably one of the most important health questions to answer, yep. not just for Juju's outlook, but also for Deontay Johnson, James Washington, potential breakout receivers here too. I love Johnson. People know that. So yeah, yeah just really questionable on Ben's health. Worth mentioning Juju was also playing through toe foot knee injuries last year. Hopefully he can be healthier in 2020. Uh, we talked about Keenan Allen a little bit already. What about Mike Williams? Uh, yeah. Mike Williams is funny because I don't think anybody last year was like, I don't think anybody I've ever charted in reception or perception was thrown into more contested catch situations. <laughs> 40% of his targets were contested last year. And he still managed an over 80% contested catch rate. Like this guy is, he might be one of the biggest ballers yeah. at the catch point. Um, str- just a strange player, man. And I think he's the guy that I doubt, de- like he goes too, ch- he goes too cheap in drafts. Like he's going to have massive weeks and I'm willing to take him. Unproven Chargers offense. And like I was saying, some of those Texans and Giants guys are drafting him on his floor already. So why not? All right, next up, DK Metcalf. Love the player. Uh, de- let's just keep it simple. Um, I think Tyler Lockett is still the number one receiver there, and I expect that to be the case this year. But DK Metcalf is Des Bryant Jr. Like, Ooh. you know, that's that. I was my take coming into the NFL draft last year, uh, and I think it held true. You can check out his reception perception, eerily similar to Des Bryant. I like that. And worth noting, took Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, four and five years to get triple digit targets. Metcalf got that year one. Yep. All right. Will Fuller. God, just stay healthy, man. Like, <laughs> such, a good, such a good receiver uh, and, and so much opportunity this year. Definitely find myself taking him. Uh, I think, like, he's still on the clock for my next Scott Fishbowl pick, and I hope no one out there uh, takes him before he comes up to me because uh, I, I really want to draft him this year. That's a slow draft, man. Sheesh. <laughs> uh, tell, me, tell, me, tell me about it. <laughs> All right. Michael Gallup. 
Uh, love, love this player too. I think he doesn't get enough credit for his season last year. You know, over 1,100 yards in 14 games. Um, again, the exact same player he was in college. Pretty solid separator against man coverage. Great at the catch point. And frankly, I think he plays the harder position in the Cowboys offense over Amari Cooper. Cooper gets to move around, plays in the slot, gets to play flanker. Gallup is going against press man coverage on a high variety of his routes because he's playing as that X receiver. But again, I'm kind of out on all these Cowboys receivers at cost this year. And I think for fantasy, that's the bottom line of it. It, it is crowded there, 100%. All right, big one, Calvin Ridley. This year's Chris Godwin, man. Yes. Total, total breakout guy. Uh, like, number one, the, the, all the confluence of events that, that helped Chris Godwin break out, I think, are present for Calvin Ridley. The first being, yeah, sure, he plays uh, alongside an alpha number one wide receiver. And, I mean, Julio Jones is better than Mike Evans was for Chris Godwin last year. But at the same time, I think he's good enough to demand that 1B type of attention. And he'll get favorable looks because of that, too. He probably not drawn the top corner because Julio Jones is there. But Ridley, just like Godwin, we knew Godwin was verifiably good at football. Ridley is absolutely the same case. 76.7 or 77.6% success rate versus man coverage. Same number against press, 95th and 86th percentile respectively. I mean, Ridley's first two seasons are both in the top 35. You can find this graphic on Twitter. Just use a hashtag reception perception search top 35. The best success rate versus man coverage seasons in reception perceptions history. Ridley's two seasons are there. Total baller going to break out this year. No question. I still remember as a rookie, it was he was roasting the Saints so badly that mid-game they moved Marshawn Lattimore off Julio onto Calvin Ridley. Yeah, he's a, he's a baller. Ever since then, man. All right, Christian Kirk. Oh, man. Uh, tough one. I, yeah, tough one. He's a tough one because I think he's a pretty good player, probably not a difference maker. Like if Larry Fitzgerald was not present and then you've got DeAndre Hopkins still coming in, but Kirk is there, I'd be really in on Kirk this year. Now I find him as just like not a priority late round target, but a guy I'm, I'm willing to draft if he's there. Yeah. Good take. Nicole Hartman. Whew, fun. I uh, wish Sammy Watkins wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wish they hadn't re-signed uh, Demarcus Robinson either. You know, that was a weird one too. Um, probably just not his year, but in on the player for sure. Yeah, def- could have ended after wish Sammy Watkins wasn't there. Uh, all right, last guy, Hollywood Brown. Oh, God, love this guy. He's, I think he's going to go nuts this year. Like, nice. we talked about the 2020 rookie class, and people were very excited about that group for, for good reasons. Uh, I think there's a lot of good prospects in there. But, you know, people were saying that that could be the class that rivals the 2014 group. Forget about it. We've already got that class. The 2019 class, I think, is just chock full of studs yeah. also has guys like Darius Slayton that could break out uh, Miko Hardman you know if the opportunity hits like even if those guys are just solid role players who cares because you've got a really top heavy group of McLaurin DK Metcalf AJ Brown Debo Samuel like these cool. guys have already broken out and I think Hollywood Brown is right there too not just a speed threat either he is a guy who has an above average success rate on all but one route in reception perception so nice. he's a full field guy I think it's insane to me, too, that Lamar is coming off this crazy efficient passing season and we didn't have Hollywood Brown popping off for all 16 games. If that happens this year, I think he's he's another great breakout bet. Somehow the dude was still sprinting past the Dory Jackson in January, even with that screw in his foot. Cannot wait to see a healthy Marquise Brown. All right, man, that's it for today. Thank you again for coming on, dude. Anything to plug that's coming out other than, you know, reception perception goodness? 
Yeah, appreciate it, man. You know, just search hashtag on Twitter, hashtag reception perception. If people want to see more of that, want to find uh, the way to access, purchase access to all that information in the fantasy football results and draft kit. And for me, I'm just 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 doing a season a series right now called the uh, the players that are going to tell the story of the 2020 season. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed that we actually have one of those. Yes, just sir. wrote up Bruce Arians. Uh, we'll be writing up Devonte Adams too, based on some of the talking points that we had earlier. Good stuff, man. Everyone check out Matt on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. All right, man, that's going to do it. And real quick for everyone out there, we are sending away 10 free 2020 fantasy draft guys to randomly selected people. All you have to do is subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. I'd appreciate it if it's a nice one, but, you know, if you're a funny guy, do your thing. So thank you all for listening. I am Ian Harditz. That is Matt Harmon. Take it easy.